This is episode 296 of the AWS podcast, released on February 6th, 2019. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon Lesher here with you. Great to have you back. I'm joined by a very special guest today. I'm joined by Cesar Vederman, who's the CEO of Kidu. Welcome, Cesar. Hi, Simon. Hi, everybody. Thank you for inviting me to this call. I'm really happy to discuss further how we are transforming the public education in Brazil using technology and supported by AWS. Fantastic. Well, it's great to have you on here because I think you might actually be our first Brazilian guest. So uh, we're, we're, we're going far and wide. <laughs> but we, we won't talk about soccer, though. Okay, that's that's my commitment to you. <laughs> yeah, let's Football, forget sorry. about the word. Yeah. And that's no about the next talk. one. <laughs> so, uh, so this is part of our special series around what public sector customers are doing globally. So, Cesar, who, who is Kidu and what do you do? Yeah, sure. Um, so, Kedu is the largest educational data platform in Brazil. So, basically, what we do is we gather the main public data available in the country, such as the national results, uh, assessments, such as a lot of information in terms of the census and so on. And we put all this information together in a free and open platform. So all citizens, ranging from students, parents, teachers, principals, and everybody can access those data and see how the education is going on in the whole country, ranging from a local school until the national level. That's really exciting. So that's really taking data that I guess already exists and has, has been collected for a long time in terms of uh, grades and other outcomes and really using it to feed into the decision-making process to get better outcomes. Yeah, exactly. Well, the national government is collecting this data for the past 10 to 15 years. So this is the, the, the historic series that we do have available right now. But every year or every two years, they improve how they collect the data, what kind of the data they collect, and so on. And Brazil is really good at uh, open data. So we do have a lot of data available. And at Kedu, our main job is to make sure this data is not only available, but also can be easily consumed by all citizens. So what was, the, what was the biggest challenges you faced in, in doing this? I mean, obviously the data existed, but, you know, you, you've sort of come along to, to really make use of it. What were some of the biggest challenges you faced? Yeah, sure. If, you think, if we think about uh, like using the data, one of the biggest challenges that we overcame is how we can connect this data to the school's reality, right? Because many of the teachers, they are not used to use data uh, to improve their teacher's practice. But on the other hand, they were used to use data to, to be punished or they were used to have the data used against them. So we had to change this mentality in a way that they could see the data as friends and not enemies. So how the data could show them where they should focus on, uh, what kind of practice they could have to improve their practices, and using data as, as something that supports them to give a better, a better class. This is from the business perspective. But of course, we had some challenges to overcome uh, from the tech perspectives. I just want to mention some of them very briefly here. The first one is uh, integrate ECS, uh, Fargate, and our delivery and continuous integration systems at Kedu. So to make sure that everybody was connected and working properly. And the second one is, since I mentioned uh, to you, Kedu is the largest educational data platform in Brazil. And it's a very seasonal access, right? So a lot of people access it at the beginning of the year. Then we have the, the school breaks in the middle of the year here in Brazil. So it changes a lot the patterns of how people access Kedu. And make sure the portal Kedu is available every time was a huge, a huge challenge. And one of the ways that we found out to, to solve this problem is to using a distributed cache through CloudFront. 
So th those are some comments of how we overcame the main challenges uh, using the technology AWS providers. It's, it's interesting. I mean, the, the, the challenges you face are very common in the education area, which is one of intense scale during key periods, mm -hmm. but often not, not funded for that. You know, it's, it's, it's that classic thing of everyone wants their grades at the one time or annual results coming at the one time. So it sounds like you've used a, a, quite a modern architecture to allow to have that real elasticity and cost effectiveness. Yeah, for sure, for sure. This is very critical for us because just to give an example, Simon, uh, early next week, the national government is going to release uh, some key data in Brazil. So we're expecting a massive access to Portal Kedu starting next week. And we have to make sure that the portal is available because everybody, not only the citizens, but, you know, the journalists uh, and, and, you know, like uh, researchers and so on, people are going to access the Portal Kedu. And there is kind of a joke here in Brazil that if, Kedu is outdated, then the public education is outdated. So we are the main reference here for, for educational data. And we have to make sure that the data is publicly available to everybody whenever they want to. So our architecture and our infrastructure has to meet those challenges. Well, it's a great uh, a great status to have in the in the country, uh, but that does put the pressure on. And, and I know that a lot of online services face... Uh, some of those challenges that are, are pretty common across the internet, things like uh, bots coming to the site, screen scrapers, all, all those other good things that once you have good data, people want to get it and use it for other things. Did you have to tackle some of those pr problems? Well, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, for sure, we had a lot of attacks coming from from bots, and some of them uh, were good bots, but we also had the bad bots. And of of course, we had to put some some layers to make sure we could prevent those bots to you know like direct all the traffic and and make sure we could use our our traffic and our platform to provide good information for citizens and not for bots. One of, of the things that we developed, and again, together with Amazon and, and our partner, uh, is to how we can provide data in a more scalable way for those people who need the data, not uh, through a website, but through a more massive way of consulting them. So since we identified some bots, we tried to identify where they were coming from, especially the, the most common ones, the, the, one, the ones that were accessing Kedu more often. And we provided some other ways for them to to consume the data. So we basically kind of opened some, some, some database and we opened some, some data to make sure they could access it in a way that were easier for them and didn't uh, prejudice how we, we make our data available to the general public. That's a really interesting strategy. I mean, I think we all, we all kind of have this view of bots being bad, <laughs> um, yeah. which a lot of them are. <laughs> yeah. But you've taken that and said, well, let, let's analyze that use pattern and see, is, is that actually, I guess, customer demand in disguise? And by recognizing that, you're able to actually create a more formal way for them to access it, which they probably were happy to do because it means th their bots aren't breaking every time you break the site. Yeah, exactly. What we found out is like, of course, there is a huge demand for accessing the data in a very easy and friendly way. So as I mentioned to you, educators, citizens, and so on, they really want to go to the website and see how their schools are performing, right? But there is a group, a group of users like researchers, journalists, entrepreneurs, and a very particular group that doesn't need the, the data very easy to see, but they need the data easy to consume because they want to cross this data with their own data. They want to perform analysis and so on. So what we started doing is using expertise of how we treat data, how we organize data, how we standardize data, and let them have access to this kind of data. 
because our position is we are very, very focused on supporting the education ecosystem in Brazil and worldwide. So for us, it's not interesting just to have traffic on our website. Our main interest is to make sure the data is used to improve the public education. So anything that we can do to support this mission, we are doing it, even though it's, it's providing data in a more organized way uh, from a technical perspective for a smaller but very strategic public, such as the journalists, the researchers, the entrepreneurs, and so on. It's a great, a great outcome and a great way to, to tackle that problem from a different perspective. Speaking of outcomes, what are some of the, uh, the educational outcomes that you found from the platform existing? Oh, this is a great question, Simon, because I didn't mention before, but uh, we do have two main products at Kedu. The first one is the portal that I mentioned to you. And we do have a second one called Kedu Assessments, which in a nutshell is a tool that we use to support large-scale assessments for public schools. And we bring the same intelligence and the same analysis that we use for public data for private data. So we make sure the schools and, and, and the, the cities, they can use the same intelligence and the same reports that we do have using the, the public data for the data that they can collect every day or every month. Right. And one of the main outputs that we have is that we, we not only provide like grades, uh, let us say that, you know, John uh, scored A and Peter scored B, because this is very focused on the student level, but we are much more focused on the knowledge level, which means that we are not interested in saying how, how Peter or how, how John scored, but we are much more interested in saying which part of the content, which part of the knowledge needs the, uh, the most attention. Right, And it changes everything. And one of the key results that we have is that we saw an improvement of 11 percentage points in a particular city after using the, the solution. And how it works, because the teachers, the principals, and all the educators, they could focus on what part of the content need the most attention. So rather than saying that a particular student is not doing well and they, they are responsible for not learning, what we do is we, we, we put a light on where teachers have to focus on, where teachers need to pay more attention on. And based on that, they can share with other teachers the best practices, what they're doing that works and so on, and give better uh, classes, which for sure uh, represents better learning. So at the end of the day, we are using data to help teachers focus where they need to focus the most. And based on this, the students are learning more. That's a, a great uh, a great result of actually applying that. And this is, I guess, the, the proof in the pudding, as they say, is uh, an 11% increase. I think most educators would say that's a statistically significant thing where it's hard to figure out where to put your limited resources to get that sort of results. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, this, of course, it was not like a very, a very rigid uh, study in a way that we didn't do, you know, randomize the control group and so on. But of course, the first time we saw the results, we weren't believing because, as you mentioned, it's a lot. So our very first hypothesis was that the test was easier and that's how they improved so much. And the good thing about working with data is that we had the data to run our analysis, right? And then we started running the analysis and comparing the tests, the results, and so on. And we had great numbers and great results showing that the tests weren't easy, easier. And so the second thing that we thought was, okay, but maybe the schools did another, another thing, a different uh, you know, project, a different approach that assured a better result. So we went to that city to see what kind of work they were doing and how they improved so much. 
And for our great surprise, when we arrived there, we saw the teachers and the principals discussing our numbers and discussing our reports in a way that they were they were building action plans using the reports and the numbers that we provided. So when we saw the, uh, it happening and we, when we saw teachers really engaged, not in finding like who to, to blame, but who but how they could improve their their strategies and their teaching we were very very confident uh, to see how the solution and how the platform is supporting them to improve their practices that's really fascinating really fascinating and brazil like a lot of countries has uh, both a, a huge diversity of, of geography uh, it's a very large country uh, and also has a, a big uh, socioeconomic spread as well how do you tackle some of those challenges you know i'm, I'm not expecting that there's computers in every classroom across brazil yeah, this is also a great question, Simon, because this is one of the questions that we hear the most. How we apply digital online tests uh, facing a very hard and challenging infrastructure uh, in Brazil. And we solve it not only with our product, so with our technology, but also with the process that we are developing, right? Just to give you an example, uh, I'm not getting into a, very, uh, a lot of details in terms of ped pedagogy. But the type of the test that we do uh, does not incentivize to grade every student because we are not interested in measuring students', uh, students um, performance, but we are much more interested in measuring what part of the contents needs more attention, right? And so from the technical part, uh, what we are doing is we built a very robust system that's really light, that doesn't need internet access all the time, that works uh, locally if the internet connection fails and so on. And from the process perspective, we're stimulating a much more asynchronous process. So rather than having all students and from all classrooms doing an assessment, let's say on Monday uh, after a.m., we incentivize the teachers to break down the classrooms and make sure they can do assessments like 10 to 15 students uh, per time, right? And if we take a look at the numbers, uh, if we take a look at how many schools have at least 10 computers uh, for, for students to use, we have from 50 to 60% of public schools in Brazil with this infrastructure. So even though we are still far to reaching 100% of all schools, we do have um, uh, the majority of the schools with the infrastructure needed for, for running uh, online assessments. It's a great way to, to segment and to, to tackle without requiring a, a higher technical bar, which is really, I think, very, very innovative. And so, Cesar, you've, you've obviously gone through a really interesting journey at, at Kadu. Uh, what are some tips you might have for others who are listening? Well, it's, it's really hard to give tips because I consider that we are still learning. But since we're dealing a lot with, with the government and the public sector, um, I, I think one of the key aspects for us is the first one to persist. Because, of course, it's a challenging sector. Uh, the things don't work as we expect. But on the other hand, the potential for impact is huge. So you have to be persistent, you have to focus on, and you have to keep moving to do a good job. This is the first one. And the second one, which is it's valid for all sectors, is never, ever forget to listen to your users, right? Sometimes we tend to, to think that we know more or that we have more experience, but it's impossible to know more than a teacher that's on the classroom that knows exactly what he or she needs. So make sure... You get close to your users, make sure you're listening to what they have to say, make sure you understand how they feel, how they are experiencing your, experiencing your solution. 
because many, many times what works better is not the most complex solution, but the solution that's maybe simpler, but much more effective. So get closer to your users and for sure you're going to design and build a solution that's great and, and can have an impact to change the world. Absolutely. Great, great advice there. And so Cesar, if people want to visit uh, the Kadu site, where do they, where do they go? Yeah, if they want to visit Kedu, just go Kedu, K-E-D-U, dot org, dot B-R. So Kedu, Q-E-D-U, dot org, dot B-R. And even though the website is in Portuguese, it's pretty easy to navigate and you can click and view uh, using graphs, using the map, and so on. And even though if you don't understand the words, you can get a, better, uh, a good perspective of, of how education is going on in Brazil, how is the progression, and how it's been improving uh, over the years. Sounds great. Sounds like there's, there's plenty that uh, everyone globally can learn from, uh, from an education standpoint, which is excellent. Cesar, thank you so much for being so open and for sharing your journey and what's been going on in Brazil on the podcast today. Thank you very much, Simon. It's a pleasure to be here and I hope you guys can visit Kedu and if we can help somehow, just let us know. And thanks everyone for listening. We do love to get your feedback at podcast at amazon.com. And until next time, keep on building.